Hello and welcome to the Post to Post podcast. This is podcast number 90. My name is Neil. I'm joined here with Jason. For all you do you remember out there? Do you remember one of the first videos that you were ever in? It was a <laughs> Yes, Calgary I just video. head nodded. And you just head nodded. Yes, you I never was actually, I was waiting for you to say something in that video. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was like, I'm welcome here by Jason. I just, you just nod the head and you're like, okay. And, and carrying on? I think it was I think it was the Calgary video. I don't remember, but I do remember doing it because you remind me often. If you if you guys I don't I don't remember what it's called, maybe the arena situation that's going on in Calgary. If you do search it or if you haven't seen it, it's an oldie. um if you wait until the end of the video, there's a blooper reel of Jason basically <laughs> trying not to laugh and just laughing. There's uh, a lot of those, it seems like. Yeah, so if you get the chance, definitely go watch that video. It's pretty old school, over two years ago. Especially with the podcast last week. Yes, yes, exactly. There was a bit of a blooper at the end of the podcast last week. So, podcast number 90. Uh, this week was filled with drama as much as the previous two weeks in the NHL. We've seen two coaches leave their positions recently uh bill peters obviously left this week a couple days ago um two days ago in a pretty dramatic fashion for the most part he resigned although i mean i think he officially resigned but if he had waited another 12 hours he might have been fired so i don't know if I don't know if that's actually the truth. I don't know if the Calgary Flames gave him the opportunity to resign before they told him that he was going to be fired or he just did that on his own. I'm not sure. We may never know. It's but, possible uh, It's possible the resignation included financial terms. Like, you resign, we'll continue to pay out your contract correct. or something. Like, I think the main reason that like people were calling for him to be fired almost immediately, and it took days. Well, and then, I think the reason why is because there's a lot of lawyer speak going on in the background because you can't necessarily just fire a guy for a breach of contract like there's, I think there's a clause in their in his contract that says something about ethics I think there's an ethic right but the incident didn't occur with the team correct happened 10, like years 10 years ago so there I think that was mainly what was the reason for holding it up and I they, they it sounds like they came to terms with probably a financial thing where hey you leave and we'll give you either what you're owed or at least part of it exactly it's and that's I think probably most of it is the financial thing because when you fire someone for something like that, or if he resigns, um, there's probably a good chance he's not going to jump back into another job. So if he's on contract for another couple of years, uh, he can't coach anywhere else anyway. So uh, he'll have some time off. And if if he's still under contract, if he's still getting paid or whatever by the team, but if he's not getting paid by the team due to any legality reasons, then I guess technically he's available to work elsewhere, although I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Um, before we get into this any further, I'm thinking that we jump into Dad's take on this situation. He did film a video like he did last week for the, the Mike Babcock situation. So he's going to join us here in this podcast. He's filmed it a, about an 11-minute video. So uh, let's hear what he has to say. Hi, everybody. Neil's asked me to comment on the Bill Peters situation in Calgary. And uh, if I master my opinion, I usually give it. So here I am. Haven't given it a whole lot of thought as it was progressing because I, I knew from the very beginning that his days as head coach of the Calgary Flames were numbered. Um, there, there's a lot of things to unpack here. I won't take up a lot of time with this. Uh, Brad Treliving uh, made the announcements over the course of the week as things got more and more grim and the investigation played itself out. I think Brad Treliving did a good job of making sure the media was was patient with him and with the organization because 
We are often quick to judge right away and just try to make the problem go away instantly. But even Bill Peters is owed an investigation and some kind of due process, which he got. Uh, Brad Trilliving contacted the Chicago organization, which is where this all happened 10 years ago when he used these um, horrifying words against Akeem Aliyu, uh, who at that time was only maybe a 20-year-old player for the Rockford Icehogs, I think it was. And he talked to Carolina, uh, where Bill Peters was also. I know some journalists have received from Rod Brindamore confirmation that some of the things that were mentioned about his outbursts uh, from the Carolina bench were confirmed. So this does demonstrate a pattern of behavior, not just a, a single incident 10 years ago. Um, this is a guy who's continued to have, uh, I guess, behavioral problems or, or, or bad judgment at the very least. Interestingly, I thought it was a bit, I don't say ironic, but it was a bit odd that Bill Peters was brought in to replace Gullitson, um, Glenn Gullitson, who, if you'll remember, a couple of years ago was seen in a practice throwing a hockey stick way up into the stands. This violent outburst was a symptom of other things that were going wrong in the organization at that time. And if anything, the demise of Bill Peters as the head coach of the Calgary Flames has got a lot of people not just in the NHL, but in, in the hockey community generally, and maybe in the wider sports community, talking about what's appropriate and what's not appropriate for a coach to do and trying to motivate players on any kind of team. And In watching the Hockey Night in Canada coverage last night, they had a long discussion in several of the intermissions, uh, in-depth with several former players, about what this means and what needs to change in, in hockey generally, not just in the professional league, but also really right on down into to amateur and minor hockey. And it was an interesting diversity of, of views, but they all landed in the same place. And that is in the NHL, and I guess in the other pro leagues, the hockey environment is now considered to be a workplace. And the standards that we have for workplace behavior needs to apply to hockey dressing rooms and behind the bench as well. And also the other part of the theme was that hockey is now forced to change. It's been changing slowly all along, but now you turn a corner like this and everybody has to think back to the things they may have said and done in the past, which they thought were okay to use to motivate players to try to correct behavior. Um, there are things that just were never right but they were never called out before. Now, I've seen a few people wonder why it took uh, Akeem uh, Aliu 10 years to, to make this report, this complaint. But I don't think that's an issue at all because he's only 30 years old now. He still wanted to play hockey, and he did play hockey right up until this past season, earlier this year, when he played 14 or 15 games with the Orlando Solar Bears. So he's been playing hockey ever since. If you decide to drop that bomb when you're still trying to get jobs on teams playing hockey, you've probably ended your career because they can just find ways to not have you around. So it makes ultimate sense that he would keep this maybe bottled up until such time as he knew that there was no penalty to him personally to finally telling the story. And he's obviously uh, someone who's shocked by this, uh, as he should be. He's from Nigeria. He didn't uh, grow up in the normal uh, North American society culture. Uh, he might have grown up in it, but but he didn't, uh, wasn't born into it, I guess I should say. So 
he's finally found the, the, the right opportunity to tell the story. The story has a ring of truth, obviously. It was witnessed by others. And other things in Bill Peters' past have since come forward and been corroborated by many. Uh, Bill Peters is probably not the only coach uh, who stood behind the bench in the NHL last week of the 31 teams. There are many coaches who probably have uh, occasional histories, maybe not dropping the N-bomb necessarily, but have uh, histories of being uh, demonstrative, let's say, in how they motivate their players, whether it's throwing a water bottle or yelling uh, at the top of their voice. And that's the way maybe things were done. Uh, I know just from being around the, the hockey scene when Neil was playing in minor hockey, you saw some pretty, I guess, um, objectionable outbursts from coaches, even of young kids uh, back then. The things they would call referees is crazy. Uh, it was never right, and it certainly now, uh, at least with this Bill Peters thing, it's moved the ball down the field, if I have to use a football analogy, and it's gotten us to the next phase in, in where hockey has to go and where sports in general has to go so we can treat this as a workplace, a place of fun, uh, when it can be in a place where people's personalities get developed and they become better people. In Canada especially, hockey has always been something where if you're a young kid, you look up to hockey players, you idolize them. They were the greatest things. And we know now that they're human, and even the coaches are even more human. But it's, it's really tough uh, to have what has been decades and decades of, of hockey being mostly a white sport and no one even thinking about that, probably. And when a black player like Willie O'Ree broke the color barrier in the 1950s, it was a big deal. Nowadays, it's not a big deal, uh, which is great because it doesn't matter, right? But uh, if even some of these epithets are still going on or went on very recently, then that means we're not as far ahead as we think we are, and it requires everybody to sit back and, uh, and take a look at themselves. Um, when it comes to coaches having outbursts, one thing that I thought about right away was Sir Alex Ferguson, who's considered probably worldwide as one of the greatest coaches slash general managers, which is what they call it in, uh, in English soccer, uh, of all time, and maybe who will ever be. He's retired now, or he retired several years ago. But his leadership style, which has changed over the years, was something that was so uh, deeply studied that the Harvard Business Review did a whole an examination of, of Sir Alex Ferguson's coaching style, of his ability to motivate players. And he did a lot of things to motivate players. And he, I've never seen any accusation that he did anything uh, that was uh, derogatory like Bill Peters has done. But even he admits he wasn't always the best guy, if you go back in time. And I've got, uh, thanks to one of Post to Post's uh, generous viewers, I've got uh, two biographical books from Sir Alex that are wonderful books, and I've also gone out and bought the audio book so I can have it with me. And he's a very, very fascinating guy. But I do want to read you a quote from Sir Alex Ferguson, where he said, in this Harvard Business Review uh, document that was eventually produced, as I've gotten older, I've come to see that showing your anger all the time doesn't work. You have to pick your moments. As a manager, you play different roles at different times. Sometimes you have to be a doctor or a teacher or a father. And the important part of that 
phrase, I guess, is as I got older, because Sir Alex Ferguson, when he was a younger man, he had quite a reputation of uh, hurling verbal, I won't say abuse, but verbal things at, at referees and, and, and other managers and maybe even his own players. At one point uh, in the dressing room, he got very frustrated and kicked someone's shoe, uh, a soccer boot, and it hit David Beckham in the face. <laughs> uh, so it probably wasn't intentional, but uh, he he has a history of being violent uh, to some degree in the dressing room, yet today he is now in a place where he is revered uh, widely as one of the most uh, caring, uh, considerate, and extremely uh, excellent coaches, general managers that the world has ever seen. And that brings me to the final point here. What happens to Bill Peters now or other people who are eventually found out to have committed similar transgressions against uh, humanity, really, uh, being a nice person, a, a genteel person? Uh, should Bill Peters be banned from the league for the rest of his life? Should he be banned from hockey? I don't know about that. Um, everybody needs an opportunity to change, to improve themselves. Bill Peters needs to hopefully find a way to still make a living, to feed feed his family. Uh, one word, or a, one word said several times 10 years ago, it should have very, very deep and dire consequences. But should it be career-ending, if he's able to change, if Bill Peters can show that he's had a period of time of deep reflection, uh, and not just to issue an apology for the sake of it, but you can see he's actually a changed person, should that mean that he's never able to come back into hockey? I'm not so sure I'd go that far. I think everybody has should have an opportunity to redeem themselves, and they may fail at it. But uh, I think Bill Peters has a lot to think about. Uh, if he never coached another game in the NHL, it wouldn't bother me any. Uh, however, uh, everybody needs a chance, a little chance, to have a second chance. So that's where I'm sitting on the Bill Peters thing. Um, it's, it's telling, I think, also that since he left the bench of the Calgary Flames, they've gone on a bit of a run here. Uh, the team didn't need this hanging over them. Uh, he was on the plane with them, the Buffalo. He flew home on his own. By then, it looked like the writing was on the wall. The team has turned a corner, including a win last night. And I think that's, that's good. We need to flush this a bit and, uh, and watch it swirl around and go uh, for hockey, for the NHL, and for all of sports. That's how I see it. All right. Thanks, Dad, for your input. We really appreciate that uh, every week. Hope we can make that a regular thing. Uh, I like the little flush thing that he did there near the end. <laughs> Anyone who flushes their toilet <laughs> like this, like this, people on FOD podcast, I apologize. Just imagine I'm like reaching up to gently grab a nut on the top of a shelf. <laughs> I can't think of anything else. Grab a and nut. I want to take that nut and just gently place it somewhere else. Man, you got to be gentle with the nuts. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. Anyways, I don't know why that... Anyways, I liked it. Uh, well said. Very well said. Um, he, I really liked what he said at the end about um, giving people a second chance. Uh, obviously, what Bill Peters did was completely unacceptable. And the whole kicking the, the players or whatever he did, or I can't even remember... To, to the Carolina, that yeah, story's still a little... Yeah, kick them in the back, punch them in the head. Yeah, that story's still a little uh, gray as of right now, but uh, uh, Rod Brindamore did come out and, and make some comments on that. He was made aware of it, but... So regardless of all of the, the s completely stupid things that Bill Peters did, um, it's been a while, and I think uh, he should be reprimanded for his actions, but he, I think he should also be given a second chance, not necessarily in a coaching capacity in the NHL, but uh, he should be given a second chance. And not right now. He needs some time to 
review. It'll yeah, and the reflect. NHL is still investigating. Like exactly. the, Calgary's done. This story but the story isn't, NHL is isn't not. over. Yeah. So I suspect that we, regardless of what happens, we won't see Bill Peters for at least a couple of years. But um, if he comes back in the NHL in any capacity or in hockey and provides any kind of, I don't know, I don't got. I don't know if he'll ever be a coach in the NHL again, but if he comes back in any other capacity as far as joining a team, um, I'd be okay with that. Uh, like I said, second chances are fine, but I don't want to see him in the, in the NHL anytime soon. That's my personal opinion. Chances are, based on the allegations, we're not, I would say. but Chances are the NHL will probably lay a pretty big hammer here to set a, to set a standard for the rest of uh, future... I, I mean... I was going to say future allegations because as this story breaks, there might be others that break. Mm-hmm. So I think they'll probably try and set a standard here and reprimand Bill Peters. I don't know if it's going to be long-term or short-term or what, but I do suspect that we'll see that. So when I was preparing my portion for the podcast, you know, I look back at the week as I usually do. And I try to think of, Hey, what, what would be interesting to talk to? And, and the only thing that really comes to mind over the last week or like the last three weeks really is hockey culture. Like just it's, it's in the spotlight right now. Like, yeah. Like, you know, what's, what goes on in the dressing room is supposed to stay in the dressing room. It's supposed to be sacred, whether it's right or wrong. And for some reason now players are speaking out mm. and I don't know if listeners or viewers have an appetite for that conversation. It seems like some people do and some people don't. Um, there's definitely a group of, of people that just want the sports they want the on ice product and that's that's really all they're interested in um there are those who who want more than that um there there's there is a line kind of as with most things where some people agree with some things and and don't um but i don't know i think we should maybe talk about just a little bit just because it's been so prevalent and like and like uh, brent said in the video they even spent a whole segment on hockey night in canada talking about it so I'm just going to give a very quick timeline over the last couple of yeah. weeks. I'm just going to give bullet proofs of what's going on for people who aren't in the loop. I imagine most people are, but it really all started when Don Cherry got fired. That's basically the catalyst. So November 9th, he goes on Hockey Night in Canada, says, you people that come here, November 11th, Remembrance Day, they let him go. November 12th, Jessica Allen on the CTV's The Social stirs up a bunch of people, and I'll give you her quote for those that haven't read this. Are seeing this. Um, she said that um, Don Cherry being considered a Canadian icon and a symbol of hockey struck a nerve with her. And here is her rant. She goes, I don't worship at the altar of hockey. I never have. And maybe it's because of where I grew up and going to a couple different universities. There's a certain type of person in my mind, in my experience, who does. And they all tended to be white boys who weren't, let's say, very nice. They were not generally thought for. They were often bullies. Interesting. So that's just part of the snippet. So then lots of people went on Twitter to ask for her to be fired because of those remarks, including some of the parents of the Humboldt bus crash victims right. who were saying that you don't know my son, you don't understand his or ne- 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 represent his values or are reflecting his values in what you're yeah. saying. Like you can't just generalize him like that. And then you had other people on Twitter saying, it's, it's not okay for Don Cherry to group a bunch of people by saying you people, but it's okay for her to saying all white boys are bullies. And mm-hmm. so that ended up causing a lot of, we didn't really talk about that, but that ended up causing a little storm for a couple of days. Yeah, it did. Uh, November 20th, Mike Babcock was fired from the Leafs. 
which in in essence was what started all of this. I, I just went back to Don Cherry because it was kind of getting the ball rolling. So then on November 25th, five days after he was fired, the uh, Toronto Sun reported that story where uh, Mike Babcock had Mitch Marner create a list of all his teammates and order them from hardest working to least working. Yeah. And then went to the least working players and said, hey, Mitch Marner says you guys are the least working t- teammates on the team. Which is unbelievable. Which is unbelievable because he was in his rookie year. Yeah. And I, we talked about that a little bit in a different podcast, And but I was actually watching um, TSN Overdrive and one of the panelists suggested that he was using Mitch Marner as a whipping boy because he wanted Noah Hannafin in the draft and he lost to Mitch Marner. Oh, really? Because Mark Hunter and Kyle Dubas yep. wanted Mitch Marner. Mike Babcock said, hey, our defense isn't good enough. I want Noah Hannafin. He was overwritten. Wow. So he's alleging that Mitch Marner became the whipping boy because he didn't want him in the first place. Very Which is very interesting take. I never thought about that, but it makes perfect sense. Like whether or not that's true, who yeah. knows? But I thought that was a good take that I never really thought Man, of before. Talk about holding a grudge though. Yeah. Like, so then um, later that day, Mitch Marner comes out, and this is really the catalyst. I keep saying it's the catalyst, but this is his quote. He says, I think if you want to share your stories involving coaches, do it. It's your story to tell, which goes against, like I said, the hockey culture that's been ingrained for the last 50 years or whatever. Yeah. So then later that day, Akeem LU, like your dad says, goes to Twitter and says it's not surprising about what's been said about Mike Babcock and then implicates Bill Peters by calling him the n-word yeah based on the music he was playing in the dressing room so then on november 26 um former carolina hurricane player michael jordan comes out after reading his comments and says i also have things to say about bill peters he was kicking players in the back on the bench and hitting them in the, in the head mm. so that's when the uh, investigation into him really got started they they were looking into the the uh the choice of words from a kim and they were also looking into the the physical and we all know how that ended now so then later on November 26, after Michael Jordan comes out, Daniel Carcillo comes out against Daryl Sutler and says, he's the worst coach I've ever had in my life. He would demean people in front of the room, in front of everyone. It's just all about embarrassing guys. I saw him kick someone in the lower back on the bench. What he did to Matt Green in front of the entire room before a team meeting when he had a concussion was absurd. And then he also says that his anger wasn't just reserved for teammates. He said one time... Um, on the on the flight home after a loss, he yelled at a female flight attendant to f off and remove the food being served because the team lost and they didn't deserve it. Whoa! And then she took too long to leave, so he yelled at her again. Wow! So, very that's interesting. interesting. And yeah. then, and then look, there's there's a lot of like this would have been ten pages long if I would have wrote down every incident. So I'm just kind of cherry picking certain ones. And then yesterday, um, Daniel Carcillo is his, he's kind of become the focal point of people releasing their stories. Like if yeah. they don't have, if they don't have a big platform themselves, they're getting hold of him and he's kind of making them public. Yep. So yesterday he sent out a tweet saying he was hearing disturbing stories coming out of the university of Lethbridge and, and their hockey programs and says that there's currently an ongoing problem with the women's um, team. And then actually back in 2018, there was a civil lawsuit filed by former. And at the current time there was players that were, none of them are on the team now, but there were some people on the team and they fired it or filed the lawsuit against the um, the executive director, which is Ken McInnes, and the team's head coach, which is Michelle Janice. And the claim alleges that on one occasion, players were asked by the te- uh, the coach to vote on whether a teammate should be allowed to continue to play on the team because they tried to commit suicide. So there was a female player on the team that was being bullied by the coach. Jeez. She tried to commit suicide. One of the other teammates 
talked her out of it. And then they, the, the, the president and the coach had the players vote on whether this person should continue to play on the team. That's unreal. Which is really unreal. Um, says the, and this is, and this is in the lawsuit. Like this is a legal so document. Is this settled now? This is not settled. It is ongoing, ongoing. and I'm going to get into that. Okay. Okay. The, uh, it says the lawsuit also alleges players were sub- subject to uh, so. Sorry, I'm jumbling my words here. <laughs> I got to slow down. I got to slow down. It, the players were subjected to a so-called fine jar. So the uh, it alleges that the fine jar was m- meant that teammates could be fined for things they did in their personal lives and for their sexual history what? when it was only set up for breaking team rules. Oh my God. Says the plaintiffs also detail an alleged pattern of verbal abuse by the coach. One of the players said she was allegedly refused time away for two optional practices to celebrate Hanukkah. And another says she was felt pressured to return from a shoulder injury over fears of losing ice time. Jeez. So one of the... Um, I'm going to read this. I, I don't know if I should or not, but I'm going to. Heck yeah. Um, one of the players sent a bunch of private messages over Twitter or Facebook to um, Carcillo. Mm-hmm. And he decided to post them publicly. So this is this is her story, and she's one of the plaintiffs in this Did lawsuit. He, does he say her name? Yeah. It's uh, Chelsea. Did uh, she give him permission? Yeah, she did. Okay. Let me see here. Uh, I'm taking too much time to find this. Let me see. Chelsea Kasprick is the name. Okay. So these are, I'm going to read this verbatim. This is 100% what's in the, uh, of course, I lost my spot now. Shouldn't have looked that up. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, just one second here, people. Okay, here we go. Here is, I'm going to read it 100%. Begin quote. Okay. Hello, Mr. Carcilla. My name is Chelsea, and I'm taking a chance on messaging you. I know you're a very busy man, and a response would be rare. As an athlete, you have talked openly and honestly about personal matters that have happened to you in sport and are a huge advocate for mental health. I was a female hockey player for 17 years. Hockey was everything to me. I lived and breathed it as most hockey players do. I couldn't imagine life without it until I decided to finish my last three years at University of Lethbridge in Alberta. My love for hockey took a turn. The head coach of the team was awful. She abused girls mentally and physically, threatened us, discriminated against some of us religion-wise, and she harassed us. At the time, I just wanted to play hockey. I would do anything, so I let her do it. Fast forward to just over a year ago, I was approached by some of my old teammates. They wanted to file a formal complaint to have the school review the coach's term and as a result terminate her. When I was approached, I was told I had the worst treatment done to me. We went through the formal process and the school interviewed each of us and talked uh, of our experiences. The end result was that the coach violated the school's harassment and discrimination policy, but they were going to give her counseling to fix this. My teammates and I, knowing full well... That would not help the case. We decided to move forward and file a lawsuit against the school. We are still currently in the prog- and process, and it's ongoing. I won't lie, it has been quite hard. The amount of people suggesting we were awful at hockey and didn't get enough ice time or that we were in it for the money was horrible to listen to and face. I went on TV and received more harassment. Truthfully, I started living in fear. I didn't want to leave my house for a very long time. However... Some didn't realize we were doing it for the women in sport because this is something athletes like me don't speak out about. I didn't realize it was something that was so little talked about but could have an impact if I just if just one person would step up and say something. I won't speak on behalf of the three other girls in the lawsuit, so I will tell you my story. I endured cyberbullying by my own teammates that my coach said was my fault. The coach forced me to play five weeks after shoulder surgery or she would cut me. When I made my return, she forbid me to seek any further treatment for my shoulder, forcing me to seek treatment outside of the school and pay for it uh, out of pocket for relief 
So I guess they didn't want her to seek. Um, wow. It's kind of worded weird, but she, they didn't want her to seek it internally with the school. Otherwise, the school would have had to pay for exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. Um, I wasn't allowed to talk about my shoulder or I would be benched or cut. I then started having dislocations up to six times a day. Wow. One of my fellow teammates in the last year tried to commit suicide and I stopped her only to have the coach say that I was mentally unstable and that because of the girl's attempted suicide, she would now have to go to counseling. On top of that, we were asked to vote on whether or not this player should return to the team. The coach would have the girls show her my social media accounts and she would attack me for no reason such as a breast cancer photo being posted where she told me I was a disgrace to the hockey team. She would have spur-of-the-moment meetings and tell me that no one liked me and I was a horrible teammate. I would sit I would sit in my car before every practice having a panic attack because I was terrified that she would make something up so I wouldn't get to play. And unfortunately, my fellow teammates were just as bad because she allowed it. Once the complaint was filed, I was able to read my teammates' input. I found out more that she would have individual meetings, but they were to question the girls about me, nothing hockey-related. I could go on, but I do not want to. But I do want to keep this somewhat short. To top it all off, the school is just sitting on our legal case and trying to get off on a technicality, which is to get the case thrown out, which is practically them telling us to get over the abuse and not caring about mental health of their athletes and students. Another crazy point to note of the L, which is the University of Lethbridge, which makes it apparent that toxic. Oh, no, I was already right. Her. This isn't written the greatest. It's written on Twitter messages, so she's trying to keep it short. Mm. So um, she said, uh, another crazy point to note of the L, which makes it apparent that toxic environments have thrived at the school uh, and things have not changed in 30 years. I will say I'm doing better now that I've sought treatment and found enjoyment in doing other activities, being around my family. And she goes on to say how she's doing better, but her shoulder has is only at 80% range of motion. It will never get better than that. Um, and then she just says that she's gone to school and it continues on saying how better her life is but this has been something that hurt her mm. so that's um that's interesting that's that's pretty wild i'd like to hear the input from the other two girls on the um law- lawsuit yeah the crazy point part that screwed up that's not showing it must be my phone that's cutting it off is the, the crazy point when i was reading it earlier was that mike Bab- babcock and bill peters were both former coaches at that university Oh really? So whether that like that doesn't have anything to do with this particular case, but she's just saying that it shows that there is a potential history of mm, nastiness that, going on there. That's like that breeds a lot of questions. Like how do you investigate that from how do you walk into a university and, and investigate that? Like who who does that? I don't know. Does the league do that? Do, is this a police matter like i don't know that's wild that's a that's like that's big news like that's that's serious stuff and this like might I, be like i assume the um i assume the university would be the defendant and they actually released their side were saying that they don't they say none of that happened it's all just made up it's all just made up um so they're like it's like she said they're trying to get it thrown out but it just shows that this stuff's not limited to the NHL. Yeah. It's all hockey. It's probably all sports. Like this is not just this is not just a hockey issue. I'm sure this goes on everywhere. Like, Absolutely. Like coaching like I like I don't even know where to go with this conversation because being a coach and being a player in a professional sport is not like working a nine to five cubicle job. Right. Like your your boss is not gonna come in and tell you to smarten the F out 
work that harder. Yeah. Start yelling and screaming like that. That doesn't go on. No, he in be, business. He'd be toast. So the question is, and I think this is what the hockey night in Canada people were basically saying is, does the hockey need to be more like the corporate world rather than what it's been for the last fifty years? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's definitely a line. Like, it's a shame that we didn't we did, we don't have the other side of that argument. Um, like, for, I like to hear from the other players on the team who are, are would say maybe that would that didn't happen or something like the people who are advocating that the case be thrown out. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that's the story I believe or the other stories mm-hmm. that I believe. I just I want I want to hear both sides. Yeah, you have to hear both sides. Kind of with the whole Bill Peters thing, like. Kudos to Calgary for taking the time to look into that. And Trey Living did a, a, a fantastic job. Like, didn't just fire him right away. Let's let's sit down. Let's let's look at the facts. Let's do some some research. Some let's look at what happened and stuff. So, um, I hope that the case doesn't get thrown out just because it's silly and they don't want to take the time to do it. If it's going to get thrown out, I'd like them to do put the time in to do the research to talk to everyone and um, say without question or even very close to with question that um it didn't happen but mm. i can't imagine that three girls would four just four four girls would just do that just no for fun like or for kicks like that doesn't there's no per, there's no personal gain from that so, so i don't i don't know that's tough uh kudos for them to for standing up for themselves um yeah but as as far as the line like I actually have no issue with a coach in a practice taking a stick and smashing it into a million pieces. As long as it's not dangerous to the other players or throwing it into the arena, like that's ridiculous. But See, if he wants to go down in the, in the end by himself and smash up a stick or go in the dressing room by himself and do some damage, fine, whatever. As long as it doesn't hurt anyone else physically. See, coaching is a weird career too because your job depends on how well the players are performing. Yes. So you can tell the players what they need to do but if they don't do it whether you know you can't make the players do something necessarily but you are responsible for what they do yes so you have to try to find ways to motivate players and being like hey neil you're not really doing that great exactly that doesn't i would really appreciate it if you would just you know skate a little bit harder if you could (laughs) exactly you know i'm not trying to bully you like that obviously is not going to motivate people. That's the everyone gets a medal. Yes. Um, which I don't like everybody gets a medal. I don't either. I think it's a little silly, but it, like, it's, I like the emotion. I like, like you, the anger. You, you have to see players break sticks. That's you awesome. have to have, like, you have to, like, I don't even know how to word this. Like, you have to, to motivate players, you have to get under their skin a little bit. Yeah. Like, you almost have to make them a little bit angry because when they get angry, they're, ah, the, exactly. the adrenaline's pumping. And, but there's a line that we're starting to realize that maybe coaches in the past have gone a little bit too far on that line. Exactly. And if you stay on the right side of the line, it can be very effective. Mm-hmm. And um, it's worked for a long time and it'll work for decades in the do future you, as long as that line is not crossed. Do you think with all this stuff going on right now and people coming out, do you think there are coaches in the league right now that are like, ooh, I hope they don't talk about this one with me or this incident or yes. ooh, think they're sleeping a little nervous at light yeah. in the nhl in the ahl in the qmjhl all leagues. chl all leagues and probably all sports as well so uh, it's a it's a big issue it's a shame that it's happening in hockey and it shines a bit of a bad light on hockey but it's important that we talk about it it's important that that you guys know about it regardless of whether we're we are saying it or someone else is saying it on twitter or on tv or whatever 
um, it's it's a tough. I can I can imagine how tough it is to have something like that happen, and be so scared to not want to jeopardize your the rest of your career by speaking out. So, well, yeah, that's right. Because the coach has so much power. Oh, like it, like in ridiculous. the Akim Lu situation, he's basically said said he was thrown down to the minor league because the coach didn't like him after yeah. that. He said you ended like I was on. I had twenty points or twenty goals. I can't remember. He was on pace for a, a good rookie year, and that was it. He was done. Yeah. And yes, he he got nasty with the coach, but he basically said, well, "Like, wouldn't you? Like, if this was going on, wouldn't you?" And yeah, I would. Yeah, absolutely. But in those situations, like, look at football, look at hockey, look look at anything. The coach is the all powerful one. Like, it's true. Like, Jason Spezza goes to Toronto, minimum minimum salary, right? Mm-hmm. He's looking to help the young guys. Mike Babcock wants nothing to do with them. Yeah. First game in Ottawa. Not playing. <laughs> he he pays for like thirty of his family members to come to the game. Yeah, or I can't remember twenty. It was a lot. It was twenty five or thirty, and then he's not playing the game. It's unreal. Like <laughs> it's unbelievable the tactics that he's used. Yeah. Like I if if I heard word of Mike Babcock potentially being hired as the coach of the Montreal Canadiens, my favorite team, I would be extremely disappointed in the Montreal Canadiens if that rumor was true. And if they did end up hiring him, I would find it very difficult to cheer for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, I don't like those tactics. Uh, I I don't I don't necessarily want to see him in the NHL again. I agree with, like I said earlier, people deserve second chances, but uh, there needs to be a bit of a time. And um, if he does come back in the NHL in any capacity, I hope it's not as a head coach and more as a director or something like that. But. Um, Maybe something that he doesn't have 100% access to the players all the time and have and direct influence on the players. So more of a business. It's position. tough. It's. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Pu- public perception. I don't know. I think it's gonna be tough. So do you think the general hockey fan likes this news? No. I mean, not, I mean no one likes this news, but do you think that? People are getting tired of it. You mentioned it a little yes. bit earlier. I think this podcast is going to be one that a lot of people won't really care for. I agree. Which is why I didn't know if I should even write up notes for it. Um, I think people are okay with it when the first things come out because it's just news. But then when it, it just seems like there's more and more and more and I think people are tired of it. And I think that group of play- players are the people are are the stick to sports players. Like that's their outlet for entertainment. Yeah, it's a release, right? It's mm-hmm. a, like you work all week. You you want to have fun on the weekends, and if you want to watch hockey or if you want to listen to a podcast and stuff, mm-hmm. you want it to be fun and insightful and uh, comedic at times. And you probably don't want to listen to all this serious stuff mm-hmm. that may potentially be happening in your job or your company or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I totally understand that. And um, which is a bummer because the last few podcasts seem to be yeah about hockey, but not the on ice stuff. Exactly. Yeah, which is so. what. We'd like it to be. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to talk about this stuff. No. It's 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 not good for the game. So, um, the NHL it, needs some good PR right now. Yeah, absolutely. And the teams need their, a good HR. Olympics, department. Olympics. Heck yeah, <laughs> things aren't looking too great here, boys. Uh, <laughs> let's give them the Olympics this year. Hey, everybody's happy <laughs> exactly. again. <laughs> exactly. I'll, um, I'll take a commission for that suggestion. There you go. Uh, let's move on to. Uh, uh, I have a, a bit of a rumor. And it might spark a bit of a, a conversation as well, but it's not a serious matter. It's just more of a hockey, a hockey topic. Um, so it's be, it's being rumored right now that Jonathan Drouin is on the trade block. What? Now this is 
it's not unusual for him to be or anyone else to be on in a, in a rumor list, but the fact that he's injured, have you ever heard of an injured player being rumored to be traded or can you remember of an injured player being traded? And finally, the last question of that, do you think that should be allowed by the NHL? The only time I've heard of it were people who were on long time IR. Yeah, who, like David who, Clarkson yeah, or someone. And, who, and it was basically we're trading salary. Right. Like we're, we're giving this player who will never play for the team, but we're opening salary it was, it was cap a bus- space. business move. It was a business move. So I've heard of that. I've never heard of people that are on like a short-term injury. It's 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 kind of strange. It's and it's also risky from the other team taking on a player that that's I mean Jonathan Duran is going to be out for four weeks minimum. I think it was. So does that indicate to you that the team doesn't like the player and they're looking to get rid of them? Um, I don't I don't know. I, like why would you why would you try to trade a player when they're in this when you're going to get in a way you're going to get less for them because we're going to give you yes. a player that you can't use right away. Totally. And it, so you're not maximizing the value of that player if they're traded right now. And that team, if they, if it's a player like Jonathan Durant, a good player, the piece coming back is going to have to be significant. So if you're trading for Jonathan Durant, who's injured and can't play for you, and you're giving up probably a key asset of your um, team, unless it's a, a really high pick or something like that, or someone, a, a good prospect down the minors, if you're giving up a roster player, you're giving up a plus and you're not getting anything back for three or four weeks. So it's a weird it's a weird thing to think about that you would trade for someone who can't play for you right away. It's I don't think I don't think I've ever seen it, and I'm not sure if the NHL should allow it. Like should I, I don't mean, want to say it's unfair because it's I mean I'm okay with allowing it, but it makes no sense to do that trade. But what about the player? Getting like trade. if he if he's hypothetically has surgery in Montreal working with a, a physiotherapist, doing all the stuff. He's he gets getting, traded. He's getting a new physiotherapist. He's getting a new physiotherapist. He's getting a new doctor. Yep. Can't, like, I don't know. I don't think that should be allowed. I think you should wait until the injury should be is over, then trade him. See, I don't... I don't think it's fair to the player in a, in a recovery standpoint or from a recovery perspective. I mean, that might be true. Um, I don't know. I don't see a problem with I it. I kind of hope that it happens. So we can see, like, what happens. Like, like I want to talk. I want to, I want to know. I want to see information be released on that stuff. It probably won't because most medical information is kept quite yeah secretive. But um, I want to know that information. What happens in this situation? But anyway, it's just a, just a point. I thought I'd make. Uh, be interesting to hear people's opinions on that one. Okay, so that's all the news that I have. Uh, the re- the only thing I have left is the game recaps, which I'm going to try and get through pretty quickly because uh, the last two podcasts have been over an hour, 20 minutes each. Um, this podcast has been about 35 minutes or 40 minutes so far. And um, we're actually going to go to Home Depot after this and uh, try and improve this set behind us. We're going to buy some paneling for the wall and do some construction. So we want to we wanna ha- have some time today to do that. So I'm going to try and do this really quickly and then end it after that. Okay, so the first game yesterday was the Rangers and Philadelphia game. Uh, Rangers won four to nothing. Yorgiv with a shutout, thirty-three saves total. Uh, man, New Jersey, the giveaways, the bad pinches. Um, it was it was pretty bad. But uh, Blackwood let in four goals on twenty-three shots. 
but uh, a lot of them were like odd man rushes, uh, like really good chances by the Rangers. So I don't necessarily blame Blackwood for that. And also the fourth goal was an empty netter, so he can't really can't fault him for that. He was on the bench, right? So how dare you? Yeah, exactly. Um, with that said, New Jersey had a lot of looks on the on the net, but like Georgiev was just solid. He was amazing. So um, good job for the Rangers there. The next game, the Philadelphia Flyers beat Montreal 4-3 in overtime. Pretty good start for Montreal. Scored 19 seconds into the game by Joel Armia, who, um, despite Montreal's loss, had a pretty fantastic game. A really good game, actually. Probably one of his best games, if not the best game, um, in his tenure in Montreal. Montreal had 18 giveaways in that game. Flyers had 10. 18 giveaways. Not acceptable. Kincaid did let in some... Pretty weak goals that he probably should have had, but uh, he honestly didn't have much help. Montreal has lost seven in a row, and they suck in OT. They are one and five in overtime. Seven in a row. Montreal is in trouble. What do you do? I don't know. Make a trade? Fire? Wait? I think you wait because... They have cap space. See, I thought Montreal was doing quite well for a long time. Yeah. And they have cap space. So I thought they were continue they were either going to continue on the pace they were at or they were just going to step down a notch. Mm-hmm. Trade deadline's getting close. They pick up a big player, they make a push. Yep. That's what I thought was going to happen this year. 7 in a row is a big deal. Big deal. Defense is looking That's like losing bad. 14 in a row in baseball. Yeah. Yeah, really. Like 7 in a row, you're got to you're going to have to dig out a, lo- a little bit from that. Mhm. So, I think I think I think you're right. I think you got to stay the course and hope it turns around. If it gets too much deeper, though, something's going to happen. Something's going. I mean, if they lose three more and they're on a ten game losing streak, it has to. You happen. can't do nothing at no, that point. No, you can't. And I mean, it's not like they don't have an easy. Like it's not like they don't have a hard schedule coming up. It's going to be very difficult for them. Who are they playing today? Do you know? I don't. The Boston Bruins. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> so uh, we all know how the last game between those two teams went. I mm. believe Boston won eight to one or something ridiculous like that. So Montreal today, we could by the end of today, by the time you're listening to this, could have lost eight games in a row. Which is, I think it's harder for a team to lose eight games or ten games in a row than it is a team. I think it's easier to win ten games in a row than to lose ten games yeah. in a row. Yeah, I think because when you get on a roll and you're just feeling good and stuff, but. When you're losing that much, like the odd game, yeah, you get lucky or something happens. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with that. It's difficult to lose that many games in a row. Like, I don't know. Anyway, the game after that was the Calgary Ottawa game. Calgary won three to one. Did you see it was a net for um, Ottawa? Yes, Hogberg, Hogberg or Hogberg, however you want to pronounce it. That's yeah. a freaking pro name. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, first game of the year and only his fifth in the NHL. Mm. Kind of cool. Uh, fairly even game for the most part. Uh, Otto actually had a pretty solid game. Calgary's third goal was an empty netter. Now, do you know the two the two brothers that were in this game? I do not. The Kachuk brothers? Mm-hmm. Do you think just the fact that they're brothers and they're playing against each other sparks a bit of a rivalry between the team? Probably. In general, from the other player's perspective? I think it kind of does. Yeah, because you'd want... You'd want your guy to yeah, win. Yeah, you'd want your brother to look better. Yeah, so my brother's better than your brother. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the Toronto-Buffalo game after that was a pretty exciting one. Toronto won 2-1 to one in overtime. Uh, Hutton had a really strong game, and I thought Anderson made some quality saves as well. Important games for Buffalo here against Toronto recently. They played them back-to-back. Uh, Buffalo won the first one 6-4, I believe, and then Toronto won this one 2-1. to one. So 
the fact that Buffalo got three to four points in these two games against a team that is very good right now, coming with a new coach mm-hmm. and uh, playing playing very well. So that those are very important games for Buffalo. That was maybe the two most important games so far this year for Buffalo, and they got three to four points, so that's huge. And Toronto still doesn't have a win with a backup goalie in that. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. They're one of two teams. I can't remember who the other two, the second team was. but Oh, interesting. So Hutchison played the first game. And yeah. he did not. He wow. did not. He did not get it done. He played poorly. But Toronto did break their streak. They actually finally won the second half of a back to back. Yes, for the first time this year. Because for the first time this year, they reversed the what goalie was playing what game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Imagine that. Uh, the game after that was the Washington Detroit game. Washington won five to two. Ovechkin with four points. And if you watch the game, if you watch the highlights, whatever, the first goal, he blocked the puck from leaving the zone, and he passed it off, and it got passed around a little bit too much so he didn't get an assist on the first goal but he's the reason the first goal happened mm-hmm. easily could have had five goal or five points in that game uh just had a, a really really good game uh this game was really three two until washington scored two empty net empty netters so it was a little bit closer than it looked uh detroit played actually pretty well against a very strong team in washington uh i think i believe washington leads the league now in uh points with 43 um so i mean this team's looking pretty good but I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what happened at the end of the game. Ovechkin scored his hat-trick goal, his third goal, the last goal, goal number five for the team. Strip Larkin, straight up. And Larkin kind of came in and... Uh, it was dirty. Gave him a little shove that could have been pretty dangerous. What's your... Like, do you think that's a suspendable... I don't know. I think it's worth looking at. Um, Ovechkin was completely tied up. By the other player, I can't remember who the other player was. Yeah, he his legs yeah. were basically tied up, and he still yeah. got it in. And then it's not like Ovechkin he's kind of like wrong. tripping a little bit, and then all of a sudden Larkin just comes in, bam, knocks him down, and then you see Ovechkin looking up like, "Okay, I'm <laughs> yeah, gonna remember you." Yeah, I, I just don't. It understand. was completely uncalled for. It was completely late. There yeah. was no need for that. Obviously, he was pissed that he got stripped on the breakout. Right. But I, I, I he wasn't injured or anything, but. <laughs> the look on a veteran's face is like, did that really happen? Yeah, like it's five, it's five two. It's an it's an empty net goal. What, yeah. Is it really worth hitting me like that? Like, yeah. come on. So I suspect there's going to be uh, maybe a big check in the next time, next the next game. Yeah, against these two. Your number's been taken, buddy. Yeah. Uh, the game after that was the Carolina Tampa game. Carolina won three to two. Carolina scored all three goals in the first, and Tampa just honestly looked a bit flat from that first period. But in the second period, in the third period, Tampa kind of came out, played a little bit better. Reimer is really good in this game. Um, when, when a team gets out to a lead like that early, do you, are you in favor of a team defending a lead or trying to increase the lead? Oh, I'm all about increasing the lead. Me too. And I don't understand why teams try and defend. It's Montreal Canadiens do it way too often. It drives me crazy. Boston does it, or they used to do it like crazy. Get up by two goals and then just going to get to half and dump it in and let them bring it back. Do you think teams do it because it's a less risky option? I think teams do it because the coaches tell them to do it. Do you think the coaches do it because they want to hold on for the win? They don't. They want to minimize mistakes. Right. It's a, yeah, less risky, minimizing mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, it's not good yeah. hockey to watch, though. No, it's not good hockey. It's actually very frustrating hockey. Mm-hmm. But, uh, anyways, yeah. Um, the game after that, the Florida Nashville game. This was a really interesting game. Uh, empty seats in Florida. Unfortunately, that's nothing new, but I mean, Florida's a pretty good team. They've got some superstars on that team. They're playing really well this year. It's unfortunate that even with a good team, we're seeing some empty seats in that uh, in that town. 
do you think all that it takes to fix that is playoff success? I'm not talking about a cup. I'm just talking about a playoff, like third round, second round. Do you think that's enough to jumpstart a fan base in a team? Generally, I would say yes. I don't know about Florida. The sample size is low. They've been in the league for, mm-hmm. oh, Jesus, almost 30 years or whatever it is now, but they've made the playoffs a number of times, but the only real year that I think they did anything was 96. Um, a couple of years ago, they had a really good series against the Islanders. That was one of the best series I've ever watched in hockey in general. But in my mind, I can't think of a time when Florida really went on a run. Mm-hmm. So there's not really a sample size to go back and look and be like, oh, you know, the, yeah, they did really good this year. And then the next year, the attendance was okay. So anyways, um, Sar- Saros played really well despite the score. Now, the interesting thing, the thing about this game is the uh, Florida's goaler, goaler, goalie, uh, Dredger, I think is how you pronounce his name, or Dredger. He has never played more than one NHL game in a season. He's only played one and then been sent back down for a couple of teams. This was just his fourth NHL start. Uh, he got a, so he got a shutout. Hasn't played in the NHL since the 2016-2017 season. He's been playing with the Springfield Thunderbirds in the AHL this year, and his record is not great. It's six wins and eight losses. Hmm. He, gets, he gets called up, gets the start, gets his first win in the, in the NHL, and gets a shutout against a very strong Nashville team. <laughs> so uh, good for that. Uh, I, I love um, seeing the players come over at the end of the game and kind of congratulate him and stuff. And he's still young. He's 25. Uh, goalies really don't usually enter the league until mm. mid-20s, so you never yeah. know, right? Uh, good on him. So is this a see you next year thing, or do you think he... Oh, I think he stays up. Yeah. Ride the hot goalie for sure. Bobrovsky's been struggling a little bit this year. So, yeah, we'll see what he can do. Uh, next game, the Islanders and Columbus. Islanders won 2 to nothing. Islanders opened the scoring early uh, within the first two minutes of the game on a very beautiful play. Grice went out after nine saves, and Varlamov came in and um, played well. I mean, both, when both goalies don't let in... When you have to switch your goalies... The second goal that comes in hot, or cold, I mean, and but plays hot, gets a shutout. That doesn't happen very often. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was 39 shots total in that game. So uh, kudos to the Islanders and their goalies. San Jose and Arizona played after that. San Jose won 4-2. to two. There's a, a moment at the beginning of this game, a U.S. Marine surprised his son. Yeah, 331 days apart. And sometimes you see this in sports, not just hockey, but he kind of came back and he surprised his son on the ice. So... Uh, really nice to see the Arizona Coyotes do, organization do that. And um, it was a pretty cool moment for the fans and everyone watching. So um, good stuff. Now, the, from the game itself, uh, the, the Coyotes came out for, like playing pretty well. 2 nothing lead. And then San Jose was like, mm, kind of want to win. So mm. they scored four straight, and they won. Good game. <laughs> Heck yeah, San Jose. Uh, St. Louis and Pittsburgh. Uh, St. Louis won 5-2. to two. Nathan Walker with a pretty awesome baseball goal early in the game. Love seeing him do well. Of course, uh, Walker, the story out of Australia. Uh, really interesting to see him in the NHL and, and doing well. Uh, the game was fairly even, though, until the third, and then the Penguins seemed to really struggle defensively. Uh, Murray bled in some not-so-great goals. The game after that was a Colorado-Chicago game. Colorado won 7-3. to Chicago got an early lead in this game, just minutes into it uh, with a shorthanded goal. Leonard got blasted with so many quality chances in this game, I don't necessarily blame him. Uh, terrible defensive coverage by Chicago. A lot of puck watching. One of the worst defensive games I've seen them play in uh, years. 
The game after that was the LA Winnipeg game, and the reason why I'm wearing this LA jersey. LA won two to one, huge win for LA against a very tough Winnipeg team. Uh, Campbell with that epic save at the end with seconds left in the game to to secure that win for them. And the final game of the night, the Vancouver Edmonton game. Uh, Vancouver won five to two. A pretty fun game to watch. A lot of young talent uh, on both sides of the ice last night. It was it was awesome to see. Uh, very important win for the Vancouver Canucks to take down a powerhouse like Edmonton this year. It's a real big confidence win for that group. So good, great to see. Today's games. Would you like to make some predictions? Sure. Dallas versus Minnesota. Dallas. Dallas. Montreal versus Boston. Gotta go Boston. Boston. Edmonton versus Vancouver rematch from last night. <laughs> I went against Edmonton last time, and I and I was against the grain. I'm going with them this time. Edmonton, me too. So our, our predictions are all the same for today. Okay, that's all I have. Okay, <laughs> I want to talk real quickly about Nathan McKinnon. All right, let's talk he's, about a, him. he's beast mode right now. He's beast mode. Okay, last two games, last two nights, so last night and the night before, back-to-backs with Chicago. He had seven points in those two games. Two goals, five assists. Heck yeah. This season, 26 games played, 17 goals, 25 assists, 42 points. That's beast mode. That's, it's, that is beast mode. So shout out to Nathan McKinnon. It, it, it might only get better because, just going back to Jonathan Drouin, the team that's been rumored the most to be interested in, in Jonathan Drouin is the Colorado Avalanche, specifically, I think, because McKinnon and Drouin used to play together in the minors, and they tore it up. They're very good friends. So I'm thinking that the Avalanche are thinking there's some chemistry there that they'd like to reunite. And uh, Drouin is playing well, but still questionable for mm-hmm. Montreal Canadiens. So who knows? We'll, we'll, we'll see. But that's all I have for today. Do you have anything else? No, that's good. Um, I flubbed up the news a little bit earlier, so we had to restart there. That's all, all right. It's all good. No worries. We're going to no do worries. a little cut and post. <laughs> that's okay. Um, easy, easy fix. This is episode ninety of the podcast. For episode one hundred, I'm doing a giveaway. Oh, what, so, are you, what are you giving away? I'm not going to say anything other than that. Is this going to be an audio only? This is. Giveaway? I'm not. Maybe. Okay. This is the only time you're going to hear me say anything about it. Wow. So only the people who've made it this far in the podcast mm-hmm. are going to know until. And the last time I did a podcast giveaway, it was audio only. So I'm just saying, just maybe, saying. maybe not. Just saying. Just saying. And that's it. I'm not saying anything other than that. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Episode 100. That should be in two and a half months. I ten, 10 weeks. Yep. Yeah. Two and a half months. So episode 100, man. 100 episodes of a podcast. That's a lot of, that's a lot of podcasts. It's a lot of podcasts. A lot of time. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of time. Um, All right. Let's go to Home Depot and get some, get some paneling. All right. We're, we're thinking about doing. Is it brick? It's not brick. It's like a stone or... It's kind of like a brick... It's fake, by brick. the way. Yeah, it's totally fake. <laughs> We're not buying much bricks or stones. Yeah. It's like a white, whitey, gray, black, stone-ish yeah. brick. <laughs> Epic. For you people listening, this is completely relevant to you. Yeah. Building a new set for your audio listening needs. Yeah. So what you're looking at right now behind us is a green screen. It was just flat, but we're going to build a corner so the walls or the panels are going to be on the wall and kind of come into a corner and then the desk will sit so the middle is in the corner that doesn't make sense and uh, I, th- I think we're going to document this on the other channel yeah we're going to document it on the like kind of vlog channel. style 
Exactly. Screw up. Which reminds me, I did not bring my camera to film anything in Home Depot of us looking at <laughs> stuff, but maybe I can use my phone. That'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's go do it. Thanks for watching, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. Really appreciate it. If you have not subscribed to the channel yet, I'd love for you to go down, go down and hit the subscribe button on YouTube. And hopefully next week we have more positive things to talk about. Heck and we yeah. can start talking about more hockey stuff. Heck yeah. And speaking of more hockey stuff, if you have not seen my recent video on my NHL Power Rankings, go look um, at it. I'd love for you to go check it out. It is definitely a long video. It's like 51 minutes. But he put a lot of work into that video, people. I did. I changed jer- jerseys and lighting for every single team, every single clip. So um, gave my basically my two cents on every single team in the NHL. So I'd love it if you could go and check it out on YouTube. That would be great. Uh, share it around. Like it. That would be awesome. So thanks so much. Hope you have a good week. And we will see you in episode 91 next Sunday. Adios.